Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Jam. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Yeah, I felt like once I got back out there and the adrenaline was going that uh, it loosened up a little bit, but then, you know, tightened up there in the fourth quarter. I was walking up and down the sideline trying to keep it loose. But, uh, but no, we'll do test tomorrow and uh, give you a better answer on Wednesday when I when I talk. But uh, as long as there's no major issues and I'll keep playing. Wow. Welcome to Off the Bench. I tell you what is fantastic today. Aaron Rodgers obviously talking about his injury, come back in that game. Thursday night football was atrocious. You heard a ton of people complaining about, oh, my gosh, this product's awful. The NFL's yesterday was awesome yeah like it was back the nfl full slate of games you had crazy finishes and it was all really kind of uh encapsulated in last night's game with aaron Rodgers coming back after i thought he was done i did stop crying man no, I'm not, i just thought he was not I thought you it was, aaron Rodgers. stop <laughs> crying dog like you like everybody gets a little dinged up man you should know whether you're not nah, in all seriousness i thought he was out for the season too i thought they had just paid a dude a whole boatload of cash to lose a season's worth of football it looked ugly so he fell on his leg the leg was elevated a little bit i thought he tore acl i did too and you saw his facial reaction and it was one of those ones where you're like the player always knows like oh that's something bad yeah and from his reaction going off the field on the cart you just saw i was like oh he's done he yep. knows it's something bad now you can get tricked a little bit into thinking oh it's an acl and it was maybe an mcl right which you can come back from you can obviously come back in the game and do that there's probably some pain maybe medication that he took yeah. <laughs> to try to help himself deal with that yeah i think he's going to be one sore dude when he wakes up this morning but he wasn't feeling sore in that second half when he was absolutely in the third uh, fourth quarter especially when you just thought all right is he going to be able to work some of this magic and he absolutely did capped it off with a 75 yard uh touchdown pass to randall cobb with just over two minutes left me, it was insane let me ask you about because i watched the first half um and then i watched when he came back in the game i kind of fell asleep before he had the magic three touchdowns in the fourth yeah. quarter but it just were the play calls different it looked like they were so much more aggressive um and you saw him in the first half like he was just and he there, it's been reported before and he's had things to say about play calling yeah. there in, in in green bay but there were times in the first half where he was throwing the ball things weren't really you know popping off they look like little dink and dunk type of stuff and i saw bad body language from aaron Rodgers. i'm not saying that it's you know your franchise quarterback you should get the play calls that you like of to course. run. So I don't have any beef with that. But it looked like in the second half, they had a completely different mindset. It looked like, you know, the ball was coming out a lot quicker. Maybe some of that was to protect the leg. But even even the ones where he actually stayed in the pocket, it looked like the play calling was a lot more aggressive downfield, um, and there was a better rhythm to it. And some of that was by necessity, too. And if, if Khalil Mack, who had an incredible game and looked like he was worth every single penny and first-round pick that they gave up to get him for the Bears, some of that probably is, hey, we don't want, we got to protect our guy out there. Yeah. We can't have him sitting back there all day. So they realize we got to get it our hand quick. And that's some of that's on Aaron Rodgers, too. Yeah, but then why not just do that in the first half? I don't, like, I, right. Why not just do that from the jump? So uh, as, as incredible as it was, and it, this was about Aaron Rodgers uh. and you and I heard a lot of I saw a lot of conversation about oh he's better than Tom Brady he's the goat it's a really tough debate to have and it's one of those ones I don't like even with the MJ and LeBron you know they played in different eras you can kind of do that these guys played in the same era Brady has more rings they're just different styles Aaron Rodgers is a magician yeah. not only with the ball and what he can do but when he moves around off the cuff where 
a Brady's more of a surgeon. Right. Like, you know, he surgically just tears apart defenses. So I think there's a difference and you can appreciate them both. I, for my money, I would still always say Tom Brady's the GOAT because he's done it over and over in so many different situations. Yeah. But Aaron Rodgers, if you were saying, all right, who are you going to take now for the next five years? I clearly would take Aaron Rodgers, but I think he doesn't have the body of work that Tom Brady does. Right. If you were, and to your point, like if you were going to make me choose like pocket breaking down, uh, a guy that we need to make a play late in the game and there's not like a, a clean spot for him to like platform off of, then I'm going Aaron Rodgers. You know right. what I mean? Oh, but if you're sure. talking about you could sit back there, diagnose what's happening really quickly and put something on the money, then I'm going Tom Brady. By the way, Brady at 41 uh, had an incredible game. Aaron Rodgers had an incredible game. I think these quarterbacks, Drew Brees had an incredible game yeah. at this age. I think these guys saying they can play till they're 45, they can play till they're 55 with these rules. With there the, are so many rules where they're protecting the quarterback too much. Please. The, especially. Right, just say it again. Did you say it? Please. You said it? Did you say it? They're protecting the quarterback what? Too much. That's they ridiculous. are. They've Absolutely gone right. Over the top. The, it's been, not on the helmet helmet. There was a, there was a play in the, um, the Colts game where Cincinnati had their, uh, safety ejected because he was a helmet helmet. I thought that was a good okay. call. The one where the, the, the rule where the defensive lineman can't fall with their weight on the quarterback, how are they supposed to get a sack if they're running at the quarterback, they sack him and then they fall? They yes. can't in midair, like with 330 pounds. Just keep readjust. it off. Of, yes. Yes. You can't do that. So these guys are going to be able to play forever. Uh, Khalil Mack was awesome. I did think one of the kind of things because Aaron Rodgers was so special in the fourth quarter, that people aren't going to talk about a lot is I thought the Bears got conservative. I, we've said it a bunch on here. The hardest place to play from is from a lead. Yeah. And great teams, closeout games, average teams or teams that are trying to figure out how to get to the next level, they don't figure it out. And I thought that's what happened with Matt Nagy. Play calling-wise, they got a little bit conservative. You didn't see that aggressiveness they came out with in the first quarter. When they're out there rolling down the field, they're thinking, oh, my gosh, we got a chance to win this game. Let's not screw it up. And that's when you get beat. What was your grade on Mitch Trubisky? What did you think he looked like first game out, new coordinator? In the first half, I thought he looked awesome. You know, did. first quarter comes right down the field. I, I was impressed with his legs. Yep. Like He really can can scramble around. I, I didn't know he had that type of speed. He right. was running around making guys miss. He was – I don't love when guys start yapping to the opposing crowd, and I get it, like he's having fun, but that's what happens. Like you got to like yap <laughs> after don't, don't the game is over. Start, start the yapping bear. when the, uh, when it's actually over. Um, so really impressive debut. I think the Bears are should be positive. They should be happy with the way yeah. that. Uh, but good luck, Oakland, on like seeing a return for for Khalil Mack. Like oh uh, yeah, that's just ridiculous. Dude, that's that guy's a, that's ridiculous. All, that's gonna haunt them. It's a cheat a code in a video time. game, right there. Yeah. That's like the guy in uh, what was it Tech Mobile back in the day. If you got it to Bo Jackson, it was a guaranteed touchdown. Like yeah, that's guaranteed money right there. Yeah, for sure. Um. Speaking of other games that were out there, let's go through a couple of these other ones. Because the Cleveland Browns, 0-16 last year, I like this team. I think they're better. I think they could potentially get into a wild card spot. But if you want to do that, I know the game was, and it was. You gotta, you gotta win that game. You gotta win that game. game. You have to find a way. You can't, and they were trailing a lot of the game, but I had a couple things. One, when you go for the tie, I'm like, why not? Do, when it's 21-20 and you have the opportunity to go for two yeah. and have what this big upset to kind of get yourself out of this, why not? And I know the old adage is, hey, if you're playing at home, you go for the tie. If you're on the road, you go for two. But if you're 0-16 yeah, and it you're doesn't matter awful, where you are. <laughs> just go for it. you got to take the chance. Take the risk because – and I, you could see this as a moral victory – because they did come back, it was 21-7. Steelers were minus three and a half. If anybody was interested and you got burned on that one once James uh, Conner had the fumble and then it was on. Um, but you've got to finish that game. Um, I don't mind them going for the tie. Um, I, I, because if you if you go for the tie, I mean, if you go for the win and you lose, like that's just a completely 
deflating way to start your season there. So I don't, I don't really mind that. Um, and you could make the argument. Buy the moral victory. I don't buy a moral victory necessarily, but I don't mind going for the tie, taking it to overtime and, and kind of rolling the dice on what's going on. Was it five turnovers that Pittsburgh, uh, had? Was it five uh, there six? were a bunch. It, uh, it was ugly. But you had, I mean, you could make ben the case. Ben had three picks. Connor had, it was six. Six. Yeah. You so you could, you could make the case that Cleveland shouldn't have been in the game. But once you are in that game and you're driving the ball, Tyrod with a really bad underthrow, uh, to Josh Gordon down the sideline, like you were in field goal range. Uh, there, Miles Garrett, why are you pushing the guy in the back when you guys are down the 20 yard line? That was silly. Uh, and then the block kick, you have to walk away with the win. But I would imagine that if you were living in Cleveland right now, they would probably feel like that was a, a win of sorts. I thought it was, I thought it was going to be this great story of redemption. Josh Gordon caught the one touchdown. Uh, which was an amazing mm. catch. You see some of the, the, the athleticism that he had the got. second one too. Uh, Tyrod just, uh, Tyrod underthrew it. It was <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so he wasn't supposed to start the game because Hugh Jackson was like, we're not, you know, we're going to take the pressure off him. We don't want him out there. Yeah. We're on this pitch count where he's only going to play a certain amount of plays. He actually does start. <laughs> he was asked about it after the game and Hugh Jackson's quote was, he wasn't going to start a, per- but a personnel grouping led to Gordon starting and he didn't want that and was disappointed it happened. So Gordon started by mistake, it seems. This is what's been reported by the Cleveland media. First of all, why are you admitting this? Just not like just go out there and say it was a mix-up. Like, don't say you're upset or it wasn't happened because I could see a situation where Todd Haley, we saw the big personalities from the coordinators in hard knocks. Right. Haley's probably like, well, screw that. I don't care what you what the head coach says. I'm going to do my thing. I want him in on this personnel grouping. Yeah, in-house and really, quite frankly, who cares? Right, exactly. Like, it's not like, that who, big a deal. Who really cares? But it undermines Hugh Jackson's just like the confidence that the press and the fans oh, yeah, have totally. when you go out there and make a statement. You like don't that. know that he started. With uh, a mistake. You know who was, I was watching that game because it was minus three and a half. In case it was, you were wondering. Like a lot of people had the Steelers in that game potentially, so there might have been some extra interest in that yep. one. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was watching it too, and I'm sure. I wonder what was going through his mind as James Conner's going off, and he yeah. had an incredible game, <laughs> and he posts the emoji. What's that mean? The little guy, like, watching with the spectacles on there. The, I don't know. Like the I peanut don't know. guy. Like, like I Mr. Peanut. You, I, I don't honestly don't know what he's thinking, and that's probably good. And then some people called him out and said, what's going on? He said, no shade. Just never witnessed a tie before. Yeah. So, I don't know, but you had to wonder, because James Conner's fumble was really what allowed the Cleveland Browns to come back in the sure. game. Sure. Which has got to be really tough for Conner, who had a, a spectacular game outside of that one. Le'Veon, maybe I made a mistake. I mean, cause my man can, my man can carry the rock a little bit. Oh, I mean, he, he can, he can. He's unbelievable. And yeah. you heard his teammates say it's the offensive line and it's, you know, James Conner could be a superstar. The only reason he wasn't a first round pick is cause he battled cancer. He paid, he played at Pitt right in their backyard. He could easily make people forget about Lev Bell, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Now, you know, I was arguing with Coker, our producer. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I don't think I don't think Le'Veon fumbles that ball, or they don't lose if you know, or they don't tie the game if they have Le'Veon back there." Right. But I don't think they're going to miss much offensive production as long as Connor stays healthy. The problem is he he took a lot of the workload, which Le'Veon Bell does. Yeah. On his on his back, and you wonder, you have, hey, it's a rough league. You're gonna James Connor didn't throw the three picks. Exactly. No, you're, you're right. I mean, <laughs> you're right. Ben like, deserves he, 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 that. three picks. So is that, is, is the win the streak over for Cleveland? No. I don't think so either. Absolutely They're not. counting Those it beer fridges over. did not open. They're counting is it over. I'm like, no, that's not over. They still haven't won a game. Yeah. I was W. I was so looking forward to like <laughs> the, the, the like tweets or Instagrams about all these Bud Light fridges magically popping open in, in, uh, in Cleveland. I was disappointed. You have to win that game, Cleveland. It's right there. You got to win that. Yeah. I mentioned, um, the safety for the Bengals who was kicked out of the game uh, against Andrew Luck. 
Andrew Luck, I thought there was potentially going to be a pitch count on him with Frank Reich as a former quarterback, him coming off injury. There was no such thing. As he threw it 53 times in the game, two touchdowns, one interception. It wasn't on him. He got sacked a couple times. So I think this is great for the NFL that he's back and he looks like all, you know, there's no restrictions on him whatsoever. I was watching that as it could have unfolded as a potential miracle comeback. They were down one. He starts to lead him and there was a fumble and a scoop and score. Um, on the safety, made by the safety who replaced the guy who got kicked out of the Best game. Best name in the NFL. Who on your boy? That yeah. guy, that, I don't even know how to, <laughs> I don't even know what it is or pronounce it, but it was like incredible. When the guy said it, I was like, excuse me? From the safety? The safety from the all Bengals right. who, it was like, he caused the fumble and then he ran it all the way back. Alright, so um, it was Williams that got kicked out. I gotta see who the scoop and score was. But, that you put on. so keep talking while Look, Andrew Luck, here's what I'll say, like, I'm happy to see him back. He looked really good. Um, no real pitch count, but he still doesn't look like he's learned how to protect himself. There were a lot of like scramble four yard, five yard runs where he just doesn't go down in a protective way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like he's delivering the blow either. You know, it's one thing if you're running the ball, you either surrender as a runner so that they don't hit you or you try to deliver the blow. So you're the hammer, not the nail. Like he is always the nail, right? He is always just in an awkward position where he's getting torn up. So it your doesn't boy's speak name. to longevity. Your boy's name, Clayton Fedjeladem. Fledgeladem. Fedjeladem. 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 You know what Fedgelidem. I love is that I love that <laughs> Bengals.com just refers to him as Fedge. Fedge. So that's what we're going to go with. Fedge from now on. That's what we're going to roll with for that one. Uh, but good to see him back. So Hannah, who's a part of our show. Yeah. She is a big Bills like, fan. Rest in, rest in Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They got blasted. 47 to 3 by the Ravens. A couple things jumped out to me at that game. Um, one is how bad Nathan Peterman was. Nathan it was Peterman. ugly. Uh, I don't think, I mean, he had, he had the five interception game last year. It didn't really get much better. He was five of 18, 24 yards, two interceptions and three sacks. That might be one of the worst stat lines you'll ever see. The only person who had worse stats at the quarterback position in week one was the kid who threw the ball for the Eagles, who's not a, like a, a quarterback. Who was it? That, <laughs> like, he's the only one, man. I looked it up this morning. Like, it was the only dude who had, It was like, brutal. Sean McDermott was asked about it after the game. And he gave the the quote that means, like, I can't say anything bad about my guy because he said, I need to look at the tape before making a true assessment because you don't want to throw your guy into the back bus and say he was trash. Like, that was awful. That was, you know, unacceptable. He went to the, I have to see the tape. You didn't have to see the tape, Coach. It was as bad as it gets. Josh Allen did get to come into the game. It wasn't any better. Offensive line issues all over the board. This team is going to be in for a rough year, historically bad year. The Bills are going to be atrocious, which is crazy to me. It's going to show, once again, they made a mistake in sending away Tyrod Taylor, not only because I think Tyrod Taylor is a good quarterback, but because of the message it sent to the team. Like, we're in rebuild mode. I'm like, are they tanking? Like, it looked like they had zero effort out there. It's going to be a long season for the Bills. Just brutal. This started last year with with, um, when you take Tyrod Taylor out, um, with a winning record lineup. and a playoff Correct. spot, and a playoff push on yeah. the line, right? When you when you do that, you've made a statement about you know how, how you see him and what you see um, as your future. And when guys in the locker room know, like I, Gordon Hayward, for example, Gordon Hayward comes in the league. He's a relatively high draft pick. You knew that Gordon was going to be a player. Mm-hmm. You knew that in practice, whether he was getting the opportunities on the court or not. Everybody knew. You could see his skill set. You could see his toughness. There was just something there. Conversely, there are guys that come in and they're high draft picks or not. You know that a coach likes them and you're like, what does he see in dude? Like, it's not there. Right. I would imagine that 95% of the locker room felt that way about Nathan Peterman. Like, what the hell is going on here? He is not 
what they think he is. And you lose a locker room immediately. Yeah. You lose him as soon as you make the call that you're going with that guy for your personal reasons, whatever they are, you've lost the locker room. Because coaches always say all the time, I'm going to go with a guy who gives us the best chance to win. If the players know we really don't have a chance to win, they're going to shut it down on their side of the ball too. They're going to have to go with Josh Allen earlier than he's going to be ready. Mm -hmm. And that's going to put him in a bad spot. And I'm telling you, it's just going to be a long year. It was fun to see Lamar Jackson get on the field somewhat. They had him in the first quarter running some yeah. packages with him, which I love seeing that. You get him killed. I think it's going to be, nah, he's going to be you get fine. him killed out there running. He's going to be fine. Uh, my Super Bowl pick to win the Super Bowl, Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Her cousin's era gets it. He was dropping some dimes. He was. I came. Pros. Yep. I thought they shut it down a little bit towards the end of the game. But the game really wasn't about the Vikings for me. I was watching Jimmy Garoppolo. Rough game for him on the road. The honeymoon is over because he had the five wins last year. Yeah. Everybody's putting out this stat like, oh, it's his first loss as a starter. So he had three picks, three sacks, had a couple options. Pick six was one of those. It was ugly. All right, now I want to see if you're worth the money. That's what I'm looking at because I would never pay a guy until I see how he responds to a bad game like that. Sure. So let's see. Well, Jimmy G, are you worth it? Okay. Or else he's going to be known as Jimmy INT, which a lot of people were having fun with. And yet, like you, if first impressions matter, you're looked at a completely different way now because you have the big contract. How does he handle that kind of pressure? Jimmy. Yeah. Get your stuff together, bro. Like, are you, you can't be out there dating the, the, Oh, you went like there. That. You went there. You can't see? do it, bro. I see? defended you. I defended you. So I'm still riding, but I need you to be better than you right. were yesterday. If you want to do those types of things in the offseason, you better ball out Correct. so nobody can say stuff like you do. <laughs> All right. We got to break down college football because your team, the Miami Hurricanes, had yeah. a performance. Mine did not. I have some thoughts on it. It's coming up next and off the bench. watching us on here that's great but if you're not you need to go download our pod check it out itunes course, everywhere podcasts are available everybody did if that you ever it. miss an episode no make sure you do that yeah. and if you're listening to the podcast later today make sure you go on cbssportshq.com check us out you can watch us every day live at 7 a.m so make sure you do well that done, so. um college football yeah pretty fun weekend there were some good games some games that you thought were going to be close and uh, blowouts other uh, games uh, oh we're going to get to that in a minute no no i can't leave with florida uh, state that was awful clemson <laughs> i want to lead with that one no, 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 all right, right. In that one <laughs> clemson goes the college station yeah i was terrified for this game for clemson because it was my pre it was my pick to win the national championship i'm like this is one of those roadblocks where it's just a tough environment because it was i was there uh on game day it was insane you had all this energy jimbo fisher new coaching staff you don't know what kind of offense you're going to get and they credit to texas a&m they came and put up a fight yeah their fans were incredible um but clemson was able, as, as champions do, they're able to withstand those punches. Came back every single time, countered with those moves. I keep looking at this team. What was my asterisk for picking Clemson? Uh, whether the, uh, the young fellow was gonna Trevor be Lawrence over Kelly Bryant. Yep. I'll say this. How about just pick one of them, Dabo? Like, yep. I cannot stand two quarterback systems. It's alright if you're playing against Furman in week one, but when you're on the road, playing in a hostile environment, you gotta know who your guy is. And right. for that one, like, you, you wanted to get some reps for Trevor Lawrence. Kelly Bryant looked pretty good. He actually impressed me. If that's your guy, then stick with him and sure. roll with him and put the confidence in him because there's nothing tougher than coming in and out of games, especially on the road. And you get cold. You get out of the flow of the game. Keep him in there. Pick one and roll with it. I would go with, I mean, if you have to do the two, I hate the two quarterback thing myself, but why not do it game to game? So if you're playing a team where the passing quarterback is going to give you the best opportunity to win, then it's his game. Like let him play that game, right? And then conversely, or vice versa. Like if it's a if it's a team that you're going to run more of your your read, and and he's going to have opportunities to run 
you know, with, with the legs, then, then let Kelly Bryant be your guy. But shuttling him in and out, because I agree with you. Kelly Bryant was moving the ball and they were playing fine. Right. They were off to a nice lead. Um, but and even when Trevor Lawrence came in, they, you know, everybody loved it because he threw a touchdown pass, his first pass. It was an okay throw, but Kelly Bryant could have made that throw. Right. Yeah, the Higgins, the dude on the outside, that guy's a beast for Clemson. That, uh, the receiver outside, big tall guy, physical. I love that type of target. Went up, jump ball, got it, took yep. it to the house. But I think they need to, coaches get a little too cute sometimes. And I think they're trying to please too many people and they want to keep this quarterback happy and that quarterback happy. It's okay if a guy does not get to play. You know who's a good quarterback? Ooh. Kellen Mond. Yeah. You know who's good with quarterbacks? Jimbo. Jimbo yeah, he is. I, so they looked awesome. Yeah. They came back. Travion Williams, their running back is really strong. And they got, there was a really tough call at the end of that game with the, uh, the ball fumbled out and you get the touchback rule. I hate which, that rule. I do too. It's way too, it's the penalty for that rule is way too harsh with the it's touchback. Too yep. It is absolutely. So, and a lot of, if there's ever a moral victory, that was one for yeah. A&M. But, I'll say this before we start giving them moral victories. Let's see how they do the rest of this. Sure. Oh no, sure. Let's see how they go. I think they're heading in the right direction. And uh you're right, Jimbo Kalamon look great. And that's a problem they've had for a while now at Texas A&M is finding a quarterback. It looks like they have one, which is a great thing. SEC East supremacy. It's Georgia and it's everybody else. And that's what everybody thought coming into the season. There was this feeling that maybe South Carolina with Will Muschamp, Jake Bentley, a good young quarterback, yeah. could challenge that. It's not even close. And I don't think it's going to be close with anybody else. Florida lost to Kentucky. Uh, you know, Tennessee's in a rebuild mode. Uh, Missouri's out. You know, it's just, it looks, it, it's, it's going to be Georgia. They're going to roll through this division. They just have too much talent. Yeah. Um, I thought watching the game, I thought South Carolina was game early where well, you're running off emotions. Um, but that's what happens when you have a team that's like clearly much better than another one. Like that's the emotion. Yeah. The emotion goes away. And after like, you know, one eighth of a game, you start to separate and then you continue to separate and it becomes a blowout. And so clearly Georgia, like just talent wise and experience wise, they're, they're the class of, of, of the SEC there in, uh, in their division. So I give South Carolina a ton of credit. It couldn't start up any worse when you have the tip ball and the pick six. Like all of a sudden you're like, uh, deflates the entire yeah. crowd. They fought their way back into it. Dialed up some trick plays to score. Um, but it's again, it's, are there, the depth of Georgia is scary. Like, is there a hurdle there for them on their way to the SEC championship? I mean, look, when you look at what happened with Kentucky Auburn and, and LSU, and... they're Western thing, but Auburn's at home. Like, it, it, they have some, but even, but they're still going to win the East. Those are their Western, yeah. the SEC West foes right. that they're going to have to face. So they're still going to probably, they're going to get, they're not probably, they're going to get to the SEC championship game. They might have some stumbling blocks that won't affect their, their ability SEC to get there, teams. right? Yeah. They're just, there's not another good team in that conference. And you talk about at LSU, home against Auburn, at LSU. The running backs on this squad, so you saw DeAndre Swift, Elijah Holyfield, Dalvin Cook's younger brother, James Cook. It's sick how stacked this team is. They also had Zamir White, who was the number one running back, number nine player in the so country. He lost with an ACL. Last year, I was at the um, media days for the Rose Bowl. You're doing all these interviews, asking all these defensive players. I'm trying to think of stuff like, hey, what can I ask this guy that's different? So I'm asking the defensive players, who is the toughest running back to tackle in practice? I was expecting them to say Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle. Those right. Were the starters. And I wanted them to pick one of those. They all kept telling me it was Elijah Holyfield. And I was like, wait a second. I'm like, it's not. And they're like, nope. They're That's like, a Vander's Hol-. son? Yes. Yeah. They kept raving about how hard he was. And they were like, oh, he hurts every time he carried. Like, he hurts us. Wow. Like, you got a, a guy who's delivering <laughs> blows as a ball carrier to those defensive guys. Watch out for them. Jake Fromm. Well. I, he was game manager-esque, 
he's not a game manager though. I, he he's he's he can be next level, and yet he's got a guy pushing him too in Justin Fields. Yeah, see, I like it from the running back position. You can have a stable of backs that are all five star guys, and you can get carries, and you know, like you got the lightning and thunder type of situations, so on and so forth. I hate it with Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. You're me never going to get me to say I like this like dual quarterback, one breathing down the other's neck. There's a sophomore and a freshman. Like I think it's silly. Okay, Saturday night, Florida State playing Samford. I was terrified for this game. God, man, that was... I'm getting trolled on Twitter like you would not why, believe. Why were you terrified for the game? Because we were going to lose. That's no, what I was no, I, I thought before I the game. Was, no, no before, before the game, the game I wasn't worried okay. at all. I'm all like, right. ah, this is a Willie Taggart's come out party. Like they're going to have, they're going to be fine. I thought right. it was going to be a game like Miami, Miami Savannah had State. Right. 77 points on a weaker FCS opponent. You're going to, you're going to roll. They did not. What'd you see? What was it? Like what? It's scary. All right, it's scary that they are not performing the way they should offensively. Their offensive line still looks like it's in a world of hurt. Offensively, I think they need to do some more things. Uh Willie Tigers talked a lot about lethal simplicity and having a simple offense that you can execute fast. Teams are starting to figure that out and yeah. they're starting to skip what you have on tape. So it doesn't matter how fast you're going if they can kind of see the plays you're running, they're going to be able to stop them. Defensively to get pushed around and score that many balls, uh that many t- uh points scored against you and give up that type of yardage is embarrassing. But it's not as embarrassing as what I saw. So Did you see what they did on the for the turnover idea? No. Who Florida State? Yeah. I didn't see any of the game. So Florida State, so you, you guys have your turnover chain. Yeah. Great idea. Other schools have tried to copy yeah, some it's like turnover robes, turnover thrones. We've seen like Have you ever heard of a turnover backpack? Oh my god. All right, so that's that's my reaction too. Turnover all right? Backpack. So Willie Taggart, here's yeah. my message for you, okay? <laughs> turnover backpack. This is a backpack. That's a flamingo. I like that. So, yeah, it's not flamingos. bad. It was either this one or my other daughter had little puppies on her. Okay, there. Do you know who likes backpacks? Six-year-old girls like backpacks. <laughs> they get into them, okay? You gotta ditch the backpack. And I have exactly the game plan for you, Bill, uh, Willie Tagger. This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna take those black uniforms that you use with purple on them, uh-huh. put them in this backpack. The helmet won't fit though. No, you, you right. keep, the keep the helmet. I like all right. the helmet. It's alright. Alright, so you're gonna put those in this, in this bag. You're gonna take the game film from the first two games. Put them in this backpack. Yeah. And then you're gonna burn it. And you're gonna have a little party and you're gonna say, alright, those first two games are behind us. Uh oh. I get that coaches want to have something that makes it fun and you give your players a reward for getting a turnover. Ditch the backpack, it's lame. You know what you need to give them to tell them it's fun? National championship. Oh, those are what you want to be giving out to guy. your players. Here he so goes. Hold it out for the end of the season and say, "This is what we play for." See that number one on there? This is, you won't. That's be, what you, you play won't be for. Playing for that you don't this need year. a backpack. Get these backpacks out of here, Willie Tack. I can make a guarantee right now on the show. They won't be playing for that ring this year. Not so this year. Here's the question, though, um, Willie Taggart. Like, is his job? No, no, listen, I do hear some rumbling. That's the question. Like clearly they're not going to fire him right now. No. But is there an undercurrent there of like genuine concern from the people who make the decisions? Yes. Or is this Uh, just fans, fanatics? Or are there, listen, is an AD and a president sitting around in some locked room somewhere saying he's gone, which is a, that's a concern. uh, One, Stan Wilcox went on to uh, work for the NCAA. It's a concern. I think he's, it's way too early to make any judgment call. If you're a fan of Florida State, try to take that and, and just Look, temper your, your displeasure and your frustration and just support the team. You got smoked week one. Yep. And I don't care what kind of offense you roll out there in week two. I don't care. I, I really don't. Like your level of athlete and of committed player and just roster, the, the kids that you have versus the kids, no disrespect to Samford. Right. But it shouldn't be that. 
It shouldn't be. You no. should smoke that. You should play call no plays. Let your quarterback right. run the game. And he's and he saying should. that too, and I'm sure the players are saying that too. You got the win. Thankfully, you're one and one. But seriously, burn those first two tapes. Forget about it. It's time to get into ACC. I can't wait to... for y'all to come to town. Oh yeah, what's going? We'll see. I can't, I can't wait for y'all to come to town. State. <laughs> talking that trash. All right, we got to come back because I uh, had some fun on Twitter this weekend as I usually do uh, during college football and NFL season. How'd that work out? We're gonna review some of it. You'll you'll see some of the people's responses. That's coming up next off the bench. Time for what did Danny do now? This is my all-time favorite Monday tradition, might I add, and I absolutely love those photos in the beginning. All right, this is where we like to call out Danny and all of his bad Twitter habits. So first what? off, bad habits. These are great habits. But first off, we have Danny's quick thoughts on FSU, which you just heard, but yeah. we have proof of this all on Twitter. So yeah. at, he said, at least we didn't lose to Kentucky. Oh wait, yeah, at least we didn't yeah. lose to Kentucky. Number mm-hmm. two, an ugly win is still a win. Number Truth. three, ditch the backpack. It's lame. We already Please. heard this one, of course. So yep. Facts. here are the responses to this one. The first one says the last time UK played y'all in football, UK won. Oh, whatever. We back. went back like 50 years. That's, I love trolling the Gators, though, because they <laughs> lost to Kentucky, which was ugly. That's true. All right, second one. He said, my three thoughts. The ACC is the fifth best conference in the Power <laughs> Five. Number two, FSC was two years away from competing. Number three, Danny Cannell is trash <laughs> with a capital T, hey, as always. Uh, two of those may be right this year. Those, <laughs> are, those are not <laughs> facts. Two. I'm dealing only in factuals. Those are not facts. All right, third one. If anyone should know what lame is, it's Danny Canal. That's a lame tweet. <laughs> that is, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's all tweet. I get all day long on Twitter is <laughs> yeah. that just hate. Hate coming left and right. That's why I don't mess around on Twitter. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even. Thing. I Roger, want no tweet. Put you I want no tweet hope. hate. I don't need enough. <laughs> Roger, you're hate. smart. All right, right, so the next tweet from Danny. So Pro Football Talk tweeted out, who's Nick Saban going to yell um, I'm sorry. I need to make sure that I got this right. You're Who's right. Nick Saban <laughs> going to yell at after Alabama beats Arkansas State 105 to nothing? Danny responded by tweeting, sideline reporter. So here are the responses for this one. This is Danny Cannell is the most gigantically huge crybaby I've Why ever seen. Why ever cry on here? I never cry on this show. No, I don't think you cry. I cry. Well, wine like. maybe, but not cry. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty. It's a pretty embarrassing tweet. So another, the next one says, "Why don't you call him and tell him how good the ACC is?" So here's the thing: I never try to tout the ACC unless they're good. Right? They're struggling this year. I'll never go out there. Well, you're in some people's conference. heads, though, bro. You are. You are like you are in some people's heads. <laughs> next one says, "Too bad Danny Cannell is not the sideline reporter. Would love to see that. Of course, I'm not sure he would be qualified Ooh, for that job." I can't diss at the end of that. I've interviewed Saban before. Yeah. It goes all right. Yeah, it's always cordial. He's cool. Uh, I wouldn't know about cool. Always, he's got to be professional about it. Right. Correct. I haven't got him in that post game. He's decent with you though. Like it's not a, it's not. Is it a contentious thing? Does he know how he? Eh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, it might be a little bit. Fair enough. I don't know. It's, I've prodded them a lot, <laughs> but I, it's always. It's never personal for me. It's yeah. about my belief in the college football system and the fact they get a pass to the playoffs. I think it's messed up. I got you. He doesn't like hearing that. Yeah. They're Alabama fans. That's why they tend to remember some of the things I say <laughs> that are out there. Uh, Alright, what do we got? Socially relevant next? Uh. Yes, we're moving on to some more bad blood. No more tweets from you, Danny. You can now breathe easy. <laughs> now we're talking about Des Bryant because he's bringing out all that bad blood. So the free agent wide receiver called out his former team with a series of critical tweets aimed at the Cowboys after they dropped their season opener. Now he was released in April after a 
eight seasons with the team and remains unsigned. So check this out. He said, after today, I'm done talking about the Cowboys. If I try to say something good or factual, it always turned out to be negative. Plus, I don't want it to seem that's where I'm focused. I know the team well, so it's hard not it's hard not for me to speak. All I ever cared about was winning. Then when someone suggested the Cowboys would have beaten the Panthers if they still had Dez, he responded by saying, real facts. So how do you guys feel about all of these trolls? He continued He continued to tweet at other people as well. Yeah, he was calling out his uh, kicker buddy who was uh, mm-hmm. cut as well, saying last thing Dan Bailey would have won that game. He was uh, he, He's a must-follow on Twitter. Like, you have to get him. Yeah. Because if you want to see in real time what a player is feeling while his former team is out there, and everybody assumes that you'd be bitter, I'd be bitter, right? I'd be upset, too. Any team I got cut from, I'd be like, screw those guys. I want them to play awful. He's actually tweeting it in live time as the game's are on. Um, Dez, what camera am I in that one? <laughs> Listen, uh, Dez, if you want a job, like if you want to continue to play football this year, put the Twitter down, take a page out of my book, stop tweeting real time during games. It's not a good look. Now, clearly the fans love it, dog, but if you want to play football again, front offices don't love that. Put Twitter down. Hold on, hold on. Bring it over to my camera. <laughs> <laughs> tweeting out for us because it provides great content for us on Off the Bench. Keep giving us your real feelings. You also have a job waiting for you in broadcasting <laughs> afterwards, so keep it up. <laughs> All right, guys. I have to talk about this one because I have a bone to pick with this entire story, so Apparently, the LeBron recruiting is still happening, and this time it's coming from Tom Brady. So Tom Brady now apparently wants LeBron to join the Patriots and act as the yin to Rob Gronkowski's yang in the most, quote, unstoppable NFL receiving duo ever imagined. So after LeBron posted that photo you just saw, uh, Tom Brady commented saying, quote, damn bro, come play tight end. You and Gronk would be unstoppable. So Do guys, it. What? You want to be labeled the GOAT? You want to be labeled the GOAT? Go it play is. football and ma- and be a good football player. I MJ couldn't do that. Uh, um, MJ played baseball and he didn't succeed. Can we make it happen? Seriously. You I guys don't think- are crazy. No, here's why. Monster. Did you ever think Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather would fight? No. No. Nope. Never thought right. you would see that. Well, I wish we could see more stuff like this. This would be unbelievable. He would actually dominate. At he would dominate. He could go out there and you would just throw to him every single time. He would he rob, Gronk he would time. rob Gronkowski, rob Gronkowski. <laughs> he would. No, that's how oh, big, he that he's he so much faster. bigger, faster, yes. like, and, and with more of a catch radius than Rob Gronkowski. You gotta make this happen. I think it'd be outstanding. The NFL, like, could desperately use a little, like, a happy story, a feel good story like this. LeBron coming over. You talk about legacy. My dude Gronk was balling yesterday. If though, there was a percentage, is it even 1% that LEBRON would do this? No. All right. No. It's, no. it's like, ah, it would be no. so great. Get somebody else out there. Give me some more guys. But talk to the camera. Tell him. Other Guys, I'm just trying to say I don't want him to go to the Patriots. Like, oh, you want him with the awful. Bills? That's yeah. my whole point. I'll tell you what, Hannah, he's not coming back to catch passes from Nathan Peterman. I promise you that. <laughs> That's true. MV Peterman? Come on. I thought he was going to be there. <laughs> just kidding. That was really sad. All right. Last one. Former NBA head coach Don Nelson always looked kind of like a straight-laced guy, especially with his fashion, but not so much anymore. <laughs> so over the weekend, he showed up. See, this was him back in the day. His over the weekend, he showed up to the Hall of Fame, and he looked noticeably different. He was seen sporting a black Whoa. t-shirt, black blazer, rope chain, and long, slick back hair. He looks more like the new wave mob boss than a former NBA head coach. Unsurprisingly, Twitter loved this one. So, Raja, are you on board? Yeah, man. Nelly is the coolest cat. Like, he was the best, dude. He would show up. Like, when you got on the bus after a game, Nelly's the coaches sit in the front seat, and there'd be like a 12-pack, like, already, like, extinguished under his seat. <laughs> and then the next morning, a shoot-around would be the best because you pack a bag. Nelly, like, was notorious for not really having a bag. So you get to shoot-around the next morning, and Nelly would be, like, in whatever dress shoes he wore the night before with no socks 
and like you remember the windbreaker jogging pants yes that like cut off above your ankle so you could see that he didn't have like he was just so he did not care what he looked like he was the coolest cat, so it's no surprise that he's like. I think he looks good like that, though. I, I, like I, yeah, that. I like the look. I think he looks kind of like Jeff Bridges, you know, the actor that kind of has had the totally. long, like, like yeah. beard grown out. Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. He, uh, dude. He also, you can tell he's living that life in Hawaii because there are some <laughs> legendary stories about him out there, like a card game. I believe it is. I think he has like a board oh, game. Got, yeah. All these other celebrities, yeah. and they'll come fly out just to like hang with him. They might partake in some of the his, <laughs> local fare. He and his wife, about the, food. the local, the local <laughs> like, foliage, yeah, yes, the local that. product. And but they'll have, you know, just hang out. To the local foliage. Yeah. Like, he's got this huge farm out there. So his wife every year and Nellie would send you like a, a huge bouquet of these tropical like flowers. They were the most gorgeous like things you ever saw. Nobody really looks forward to flowers for a holiday. Right. But these you did. Like they were beautiful. So Nelly Nelly lives a lot. Your boy Nash looked pretty clean there too. Yeah, Stevie looked good. Congrats to him. That was really cool. I have to say I really like his outfit and I think it's better than this matching stripe thing that you guys have going on. You didn't get the memo? I didn't get the memo. (laughs) (laughs) The color it looks like a little bit. We're all kind of like, you know, soft colors today. That that Monday. That Monday swag. All right, guys, that's all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Coming up after the break, Danny and Raja break down today's leftovers, including finally some Serena talk. Stay with us. You're watching Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench. Let's finish off some leftovers. Yeah. I was actually really excited to talk about this topic because I was uh, watching college football. The Georgia-South Carolina game was on, and as I usually do, I have kind of Twitter open, seeing what people are saying about the game. All of a sudden, I see this stuff popping up about Serena looks ticked, like she is hot, all this stuff. So I flip it over to tennis, Perf- like perfect timing to watch her. She was playing against Naomi Osaka in the U.S. Open final. Um, Osaka dominated the first set, mm-hmm. 6-2. Then it looks like Serena's on the ropes. And then all of a sudden, things just start unfolding. So she's hit with three violations. Bottom line, she ends up getting a warning, a point violation, and then she gets a game taken from her. And I'm watching it all unfold. Um, she loses her, you know what? Yeah, her poop. During, yeah, during the match, um, the, the, the accusation that was levied against her was that she was cheating. And she was looking at her coach in the box, and he's he's going like this. I don't even know what it means. I don't yeah. know if she didn't even. I don't know if she knows it. What yeah, it means. he was. So she was she was getting upset because it's basically accusing her of cheating. So she gets the warning. Then she loses a point. She slams her racket. That's the second warning. So one more warning. She knows that's the point. She knows if she gets one more, she's going to get a game. You, or she should know that. I'm, I'm sure she knew that. She goes over the umpire, the chair umpire, starts yelling at him, which I would too. And then she calls him a thief. Then she demands an apology. And then all of a sudden, it's like this is when mayhem breaks out. So she gets the game. She calls over more people. And credit to the broadcast because they had mics everywhere. everywhere yeah. And you could hear her pleading her case saying this is unfair. Um, I'm not a cheater. You know I, me. Yeah. I have my daughters at home. I have my daughter. You know, I, I, she knows I'm integrity. I would never do this. Then she starts blaming it on I'm a woman. There's no way you would do this to a man. Like it yeah. gets way deeper than just her being upset and dropping a few, you know, she didn't the language wasn't bad. It wasn't right. an issue at all. Your thoughts first. Um initially, um I felt bad for Naomi Osaka because it was her moment. Um and I felt like all the all everything that Serena do, did was valid. Like I felt like her coach was up there doing what coaches do all the time. And they had a, they had an interview with him. They actually yeah. grabbed him, and he was like, yeah, I was doing that. 
but I always do that. And every other coach, and he re- referenced like Rafa's match the night before, and and he was like Rafa's coach did it the entire night, and no one's ever you know levied a warning against that. And then they asked if it had ever happened to him in his career as a coach, and he said no. And I do the same thing every match. So I felt Serena in the moment in that. Like, why are you questioning my integrity in terms of whether I'm cheating or not? I am a multiple time, like, Grand Slam champion. I think that she deserved better than that. Having said that, I felt like she was projecting a little bit, like my dad said, projecting. We talked about it. He's a big tennis fan. She was kind of projecting some of her anger in the way she was playing on the ump. But as it continued to progress, I felt like, and I feel like this about referees, and that's why I'm always on referees. You don't need to do that. Like, your job isn't to instigate and add more fuel to a burning fire. They're the ones out here competing. And when you're in a competitive environment, whether it's tennis or golf or football or basketball, you know, sometimes emotion, like, can get the better of you. Your job as an ump isn't to, to exacerbate that. Your job as a ref isn't to add fuel to my already, you know, burning embers of fire. And I felt like... You know, yeah, she she might have overstepped bounds in terms of saying you owe me an apology. Like, I, I don't know that he necessarily owes you an apology. But, like, calling him a thief, I don't have a problem with that. He, right. yeah, you did steal from her. Like, you took – tell me another instance where a point has been taken away and someone has done that to another Grand Slam champion in a match of that magnitude. She's just coming back. And not that anyone really cares about her comeback story necessarily. That shouldn't factor in. But when when – even just in a Grand Slam final, when is that ever taking place? That's what should factor in. That's to me was the biggest egregious error that this Carlos Ramos made during this match. You've got to understand the magnitude of what is happening. Right. And for him to do that on that stage, I thought was wrong. I personally didn't think it had anything to do with the fact that Serena was a woman. Right. Because we've talked about this a lot. You've said, man, these refs are awful. They do all these things. Like some refs get this you know, complex and they think they're the bigger part of the story. They, they want to inject themselves. Yeah. Good refs don't want to be that. Don't they don't want to play an impact on the outcome of the match. They are the game or whether whatever it is. Yeah. They just want to, to monitor it, I, make sure everything is played fairly. I do feel like it had something to do with her being you a woman. Do. And I don't, I don't always cry foul like that. Like I don't, I, I try to look at it. I do because I feel like I've seen a lot of men play tennis and I play tennis and you play tennis. Um, but I've watched the, 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 you know, Andre Agassi's, I've watched, uh, the John McEnroe's sure. and I've watched guys, you know, get away with a whole lot. And, and the, here's where I think it really displayed itself as a man woman thing. I felt like, what's his name? Carlos Ramos. Yeah. If a man had been talking to him like that, you would feel less disrespected. I really do feel like since it was Serena Williams talking to him like that, it was a woman calling him out and calling him a thief in front of a lot of people. I feel like he got his, I felt like he got his feelings hurt and then he lashed out at her. That's what I felt like happened. And so I do give some credence to the man woman thing just a little bit. James Blake, former tennis player said he had said worse and not, and to this umpire. Yeah. Marty Fish, Andy Roddick, they were all complaining. Cause I, that's again, I think Serena got hosed. Like I think it was uncalled for from the umpire to make that call. But there's also an aspect of it where I think most people, and this is what Chris Everett, who was doing the broadcast said, she's like, most players, after you get the first warning, then you get the point, then you shut it down. Yeah. You don't want to risk that. It's kind of like when you get the technicals on you. Like if you get a technical foul in basketball. And you know. Exactly. Then same thing in NFL. If you get a personal foul and you get a 15 yarder, you know the next one, you have to control your emotions to that point. So I don't know. I, I could totally see your point though. I can, I hear that and it's been a big, you know, issue that's been made of. 
but I just, I don't, I don't think it came into play there. I will say this. Serena, cause she got skewered. Why not, time. why not Warner? Why not, hey, why not say, listen, like, like, warning, like why not, you, what James Blake Listen, said, stop, I don't want to do this to you, stop. Right. She's a damn, she's right. 12 time, like, I don't know how many grants. Well, I, I, I totally, he made him, like, it was awful. He screwed up. Like, he yeah. should not have done that. Tw- she, got she got 23. She got 23 grants. I'm talking about seven and exactly. 12. Like, I will say this. Serena, I didn't love the way she handled it in the moment. But afterwards, complete class. Yeah. She said, this is Naomi Osaka's win. This belongs to her. It took away from her. So, you know, I think it's just, it's going to be, it just marred what would have been an incredible match. Yeah. Even if she would have lost, it was still an incredible match for Osaka and, you know, see how that unfolded. Um, we also have a pretty big event tonight. The Jets Lions, uh-huh. Sam Darnold making his debut. He had a rough go for Josh Allen. He got to play. Lamar Jackson got a little bit of action. Sam Darnold, expectations for him against the Lions tonight? I think he'll be all right. I think they'll manage him, I think, but I think he'll be better than people think he'll be. I think, I think he's got the stuff, so I think he's gonna be good. I think they lose the game. Right. But I think he's gonna be alright. Because they're not very good. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think he's gonna be better than Nathan Peterman. (laughs) I think they're gonna be fine. It's, you're gonna see a couple, uh, rookie mistakes, but I think you're also gonna see what excites Jets fans and excites that Jets coaching staff. You'll see some flashes from Sam Darnold. I think that'll be exciting. They'll figure out who their franchise is. Is it Josh Rosen time in, 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 in. Oh my goodness. They got shut out. Sam Bradford is Still getting paid from somebody. It'll be uh, Josh Rosen time before long. Um, yeah, you're right. It is. You can't put up any points with him. You got to find out your future. All these young guys. I actually like the fact that the Jets, even though he's so young, youngest starter we've seen in forever. Get him out there. Let him learn. The best teacher, the best is experience. Right. You, you go out there and you actually make some of those rough throws. Then you can go back, learn from them. Watching film is one thing. Actually being on the field is a completely different one. 